To say that I am happy to be here would be an understatement. It's a pleasure always to get to come to Northside. I look forward to it, and um, I hope that this is a tradition that will uh, continue. I do thank the elders and anyone else responsible for the invitation to be able to be here today. It is my prayer that when we have completed the lesson tonight, we will all be not only challenged but edified, and that we will be better people, better Christians, as a result of the study that we have done. What if someone was to ask you, what do you think is the hardest thing in the world to do? What would you say? Would it be to deal with the death of a loved one, especially if you knew that they were not in covenant relationship with God? Perhaps it would be that a doctor tells you that the pain in your body, there's nothing they can do, and you've got to just learn to live with it. Perhaps would that be, that, would that be it? I submit to you that I... While those are hard, I don't think those are the hardest thing in the world to do. But rather, I believe it is to forgive. What if someone has really done something terrible on purpose to you? They've wronged you greatly. Are you to forgive them? Incidentally, tonight we're going to be dealing with questions and answers on forgiveness. And there are a lot of questions that a person can ask. Well, uh, do they have to ask for forgiveness? We're going to be dealing with that tonight. But let's get back to what we're dealing with. What if someone has taken something that cannot even be given back, the life of a loved one, or your virginity, your reputation, or you can just go on and on and on. What if that is the wrong that you have uh, experienced? Or perhaps you have done something yourself that you're having a hard time forgiving yourself. I believe that in reality... A lot of the unfruitfulness in our Christian living has to deal with some issue of unforgiveness. John Meadows, a well-known writer, has said that after more than 20 years in ministry, I have concluded that over 90% of all problems are rooted in unforgiveness. I cannot argue with that. I believe that that probably is absolutely correct. So let's establish the fact that forgiveness is one of the greatest obligations that we have as Christians. And I want to begin by looking at a couple of passages of Scripture. One was read as our text, and we'll look at that one after we have first looked at Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. Ephesians 4:31 if you want to be turning there Paul says get rid of all <clears throat> bitterness rage and anger 
brawling and slander and every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other. Just as in God, or rather in Christ, God forgave you. What an order. And now, let's go to Colossians 3. That was read a few moments ago. But because I'm going to begin by going down some of these things here and discussing them, I think we need to reread them. Colossians 3 beginning with verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, the outline for my sermon this morning, we're going to look first of all at the command. And then the problem in doing it and then the practice, the how-to. I think we always need a how-to section. So here we find, first of all, the command. And I began with, with this because the command says that we're to put off or get rid of some things and we're to put on some things. I'd like to start with the native. What are some things that we need to get rid of? He says, first off, <clears throat> in Ephesians 4, bitterness. Now, let's define bitterness. It is settled hostility that poisons the whole inner person. It includes harshness, spitefulness, and resentment. What it is, is a harboring of ill will to the point that it becomes anger that sours and it festers and it does not stay there. It will continue to grow. Harboring ill will. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, tells us that this will defile us. In fact, I'm going to read that. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy, without which holiness no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So bitterness can cause us to be defiled. And so he says, put away bitterness. I believe we need to have the attitude of Booker T. Washington, who one time said, I am determined to permit no man to narrow or degrade my soul by making me hate him. It's a good statement. And he had all kinds of reasons to have hatred. He, if you read his life, I read the story of his life <clears throat> when I was just a teenager. I read, uh, I read all of the 
autobiographies and autobiographies in the library, Carnegie Library in Elk City, Oklahoma. There was no more. I read them all. And his was one of those. And if you would just read all the negative things that happened in his life, you would understand why he needed to make that statement. The next thing that we are to put off or get rid of is anger itself. Now, anger is a very valid, natural emotion. But if we allow it to smolder, it will finally twist our lives and our mental health. We nurture past hurts as anger. I want you to think about that. We generally nurture past hurts. And 90% of the time, it is true that no one can hurt you today without triggering a hurt from your past. Hurt disguises itself in anger, anxiety, guilt. There's all kinds of things. Even depression comes about uh, as a result of that. Now, those are things that we're to put off, but now then let's look at what we're to put on. And it's interesting that both of these that I'm using as a, a dual text uh, mention in number one and two position that uh, it should be compassion and kindness. We should put on compassion and kindness. Those help us with our ability to forgive. And uh, <clears throat> this isn't something that we can turn on or off like you do a television set. But rather, this is a, an attitude of heart that we need to cultivate so that it becomes uh, a part of our lives, a, a way of life. I want you to notice that Paul addresses these brethren in Colossae as chosen of God, uh, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He reminds them of their position in life as far as God is concerned. As you look at the word compassion, you're going to find this to be interesting. I invite you to do your study. It will be a good study for you. I've done that. When you find the Bible uses the word compassion, more times in the text than not, you will find forgiveness, grace, or mercy mentioned. Do your study. I think you'll find that to be very interesting. When we have difficulty in having compassion, it's because of some deep core hurt inside of us, and it prevents us from feeling that compassion. We heal the core hurt by depending on the worth that God has given us, and that is what makes 1 Corinthians 13 doable. You go, what's 1 Corinthians 13? It's the love chapter. Verses 4 through 8a, as it talks about the characteristics of love. And I'm telling you that it's this heart of compassion that makes that, that doable. And that's why Satan, one of his greatest enemies, is compassion. If Satan can get us to not have compassion, he has taken from us our ability to be effective as Christians. And a lack of forgiveness is a part of that. The good news is that uh, Jesus Christ and his word can blossom fully when the seed of the Holy Spirit is 
found rich in compassion. The, the uh, text also mentions humility, and humility is a proper attitude toward ourselves in relation to God. It means that we began thinking of others first. We don't put our hurts or our needs first. We put other people first. The text goes on and says gentleness and patience, literally meaning to be long-tempered. God is forbearing or long-tempered to us, and that means that we will be that way to Him. And then he says, after all of that build-up, forgive and uh, or be forgiving, whatever grievances. Did you get that? Whatever grievances. You're going, well, you don't know what he did to me, and he did it on purpose, too. Whatever grievances. As, and that's the next important point, as the Lord forgave us. And then Colossians 3.14, part of our text, says, above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. From that, I will make this statement. We forgive other people to the degree we love So if you're not forgiving, you can claim love all you want to, and I suggest you've got a love problem. Never does the human soul appear so strong as when it forgives and it dares to dismiss all resentment. Now, that's the command. The problem is doing it. Spiritual forgiveness originates in me and not in the other person, what they have done or what they are doing now. <clears throat> so forgiveness is not a characteristic that is to be dusted off and used on demand. I made this statement earlier, but sometimes you have to go over these things Two times so that we get the point. It is something, it is a spirit that is to be cultivated until the point that it becomes a controlling influence in our lives. Since the spirit of forgiveness is the greatest test of our Christianity, it is imperative that we learn it and we put it into practice. Now, for the record, we need to understand what forgiveness is and what it is not, and so we're going to look at that. First of all, what are, we, what are we talking about? Forgiveness is not ignoring the hurt. It is acknowledging it, but declining to, uh, but declining to, pardon me, it is acknowledging it, but deciding that we're going to not hold the debt against the other people. That's what it basically is. So, as long as we look at the hurt, we'll not get past it. What we've got to do is look beyond the hurt 
to God Almighty, and that will help us, even though we are hurting, we're not ignoring the hurt, but we're asking God uh, to help us. So, it is next, not forgetting the hurt. You've heard the phrase, to forgive is to forget. That's not necessarily so. It's a catchy phrase. And if you have not forgotten, that doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven. Missionaries to the Eskimos learned something. They learned that the, in the Eskimo language, there was not a word that they had in their language for forgiveness. So here were the missionaries trying to take the concept of God and forgiveness, and they didn't have a word for it. So they came up with a word. Now, here it is on the screen, and I'd like for you to pronounce that if you dare. I can't pronounce it. That's the word. That was a phrase that they put together, and here is what it means. This is true. I'm not making this up. It means to not be able to think about it anymore. In other words, you don't dwell on it. It isn't that you've forgotten about it and you're not even aware that it happened. Even God doesn't do that. Someone says, well, when God forgives, God forgets. I beg to differ. God was aware that David had committed adultery and he had it recorded in the Bible, but he told told David he was forgiven. Uh, I believe that it's an accounting term. And uh, uh, God is aware of the wrongs that we've done, but he doesn't hold it against us. That's all that that we're saying here. So, not necessarily that you you are oblivious to the fact that you've been wrong. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that we don't dwell on it. There's a cute lesson that I uh, got out of the... Uh, women's world. My wife gets women's world, and I saw this. I thought it was so cute, and drives home the point that I'm trying to get across. It was a beautiful sunny day, and my grandson, Cade, four, was playing with his Aunt Jody. Cade is usually cheerful, but he's stubborn, too. So when Jody refused to let him climb a tall ladder, afraid that he would fall, he stuck out his bottom lip, crossed his arms, and marched away. A while later, We were having lunch when I noticed Cade's pout was finally fading a bit. Are you still mad at your Aunt Jody? I asked curiously. Well, he sighed, his face a picture of innocence. My head tells me to be mad, but my heart keeps telling me to change my mind. I like that. I think that's what we're talking about. Your head will tell you one thing, and you've got to keep reminding your heart that you are forgiving. It doesn't mean no more memories. What it means is that you're not going to be bitter over the wrong that has been done you. There's a third thing that it is not. Uh, it is not ignoring the hurt. It's not forgetting the hurt. And I would suggest, thirdly, that it is not instantaneous. Forgiveness is not instantaneous. It begins with a decision because we're commanded to forgive. But it isn't a single act. In fact, I would suggest that forgiveness is a process. This may be a little bit of new ground for you to think about, but I just want you to think about it. I suggest to you that forgiveness is a process. 
it is it begins with a decision uh, with or without emotion. It could be that you don't feel it. You learn more and then it can become more of a felt thing and ultimately it becomes a part of you as Romans 12 and verse 2 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so forgiveness happens in small sums over a period of time. I think that's a very important point. Some people are going, well, I just can't forgive. I just can't. Work on it. Work on it. It can be a decision, but you have to keep working on it. Forgiveness is, we've looked at what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you. Martin Luther King says that old law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, leaves everybody blind. That was a point I made in my class this morning, and I think it needs to be made to a wider audience now. It is a gracious act. To do this is because of God in me, and I will not be able to do it successfully, I don't believe, uh, without God's help. It is letting go of the strings attached. As 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. So I'm not keeping a record. I'm, I'm blotting that out. Now, why is this important? First of all, it's important because forgiveness is a part of God's character. One person has counted 28 times that God forgave Israel because of some kind of of an encroachment. We don't know uh, what all is involved there in God's mind because we don't have God's mind, but we know His nature, His character is that He wanted to forgive. We know what Jesus did. He was on the cross and He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, here we find, and we'll talk more about that tonight as we discuss questions and answers regarding uh, forgiveness, but uh, Jesus forgave these people. Was it because they deserved it? No. It was not because they deserved it, but it was because of what was in Jesus, not of what was in them. And so that is a part of why forgiveness is important. We do it because, secondly, it is a favor to ourselves. And I like this point. You know, a lot of times... We think, well, if I forgive somebody, I'm extending a favor to them. Well, you are. But the biggest favor is you're doing it for yourself. First of all, because God said he will not forgive you unless you forgive. And we discussed that uh, in our class this morning. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 again. Even as that passage says very plainly, if you do not forgive men their trespasses or their sins against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your sins. That's plain, plain English. And so that is part of it. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2 says, Judge not that you be not judged. That's the King James, and we know all that. For with the same judgment you judge, you shall be judged. With the same measure you meet, you will uh, be measured. He who cannot forgive, 
breaks the bridge over which he himself must cross if you're going to go to heaven because Jesus has said that you can't get there. Suppose that you made it to heaven and you was put into a close quarters with someone that you had not forgiven. Now, wouldn't that be awkward? Well, don't worry. Jesus said you ain't going to be there. I'm sorry, but that's what he says. So, all I'm telling you is that it, it affects us, and it also affects our prayer life. Ann Landers says, Hanging on to resentment is letting someone you despise live rent-free in your head. Fred Luskin, Sanford University psychologist, says, Forgiving isn't about condoning what happened. It's about breaking free from the person who wronged us. That brings us now to the practice. How do we practice true forgiveness? First of all, make a distinction between the sin and the sinner. Try to look at the person through God's eyes. Many of you will remember some seven years ago, it was March of 2006, and some of you are familiar with the Winkler family. Uh, Brother Wendell Winkler, I have several of his books, and there are several preachers in the Winkler family. Uh, Matt Winkler was preacher in Selma, Tennessee, and his wife Mary killed him, murdered him. He was the son of Dan uh, Winkler. And uh, when that happened, it was a traumatic thing for a preacher of the gospel to be killed by his own wife. And uh, there was a family friend, Billy R. Smith, who is um, Dean of the School of Biblical Studies at Fried Hardeman University in Henderson, Tennessee. He was a personal friend of the family. And he said that Matthew's parents are, here's the quote, a great example of what it means to forgive. Although they do not understand what reason their daughter-in-law would have for killing their son... Smith said they have assured her of their forgiveness. Already? Yes. So soon? Yes. How Christ-like. Could we? Dan and Diane visited Mary in jail. She expressed sorrow for her actions. She apologized to her in-laws. They, quote, have loved her as a daughter, not a daughter-in-law, and if they could take her home with them right now, they would, Smith stated. Truly, they are a great example of what it means to forgive. She had killed their grandchildren's father and their own son, and yet they said, we don't understand it, we forgive and that is a, an example. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Above all, love each other dip, deeply because, here it is, love covers over a multitude of sins. 
I would suggest how we do it. First of all, we need to flush. Get rid of the resentment. If you hold back, get this now, until they deserve it, you'll never forgive them. You've got to make the decision. I'm going to let go of the resentment. Forgiveness is a decision to erase the debt and it removes you from the responsibility of seeing that the debt's paid. Again, Romans 12 and verse 19, God says, I will repay. The Civil War was a terrible thing in our great United States of America. And when it was over, the leader, Robert E. Lee, the general of the Confederate uh, forces, retired and made his home in his last days in Alexandria, Virginia. And one day, a woman pointed out to him a tree that had been riddled, the, the limb shot off by federal artillery, and she expressed rage and expected him to be in sympathy to that. And the great gray knight, as he was called, looked at it, contemplated, and then slowly spoke one sentence. Cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. What he was saying was, it's time that we settled these things and not continue to be bitter. Three things are required to accomplish this. Number one, isolate the facts and allow them to stand as history. Number two, put away the emotional response to those facts. And number three, cancel the punishment, assuming the cost of the repairs. The only thing we can do is just acknowledge the actions. David Augsbury said, The hornet of memory may fly again, but forgiveness has removed the sting. Lastly, commit to cultivating that forgiving spirit and then pray, pray, pray. It's refusing to hate, choosing to live as Jesus did, putting on the, our, the uh, Christian graces. Let me ask you, do you have a need to forgive someone? Is this something you've been struggling with? And I, I would imagine in an in a audience this size, there are several who will say, you've been hoing out my road today. You've been dealing with something that I need to deal with, although I didn't want to. Forgiveness is unnatural. And it is, as we have said, one way that we differ from animals. And it cannot be done without the help of God. And so I'm extending the invitation. I'm asking you, is there something that perhaps brethren can pray with you and help you to have the strength? To forgive. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. And you just need prayers to do that. Or perhaps you have never obeyed the gospel. To receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As well as the remission of your sins. 
If you stand in need of this invitation in any way, we encourage you to come. All together we stand in what we sing.